Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Amen. Man, I am so glad you guys are here with us today. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Uh, Are you guys happy to be here today? Are you guys happy to be here? Good, good. Glad to hear it, because if not, you can get out of here. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm so glad you guys are here today. I hope you're staying warm. It's been very cold out, very, very cold. Anytime the temperature is one syllable, it's never a good thing, right? One or three degrees <laughs> outside. Uh, I, I do love, so I'm, I'm wearing my Mark Price jersey because it's all-star weekend, right? Just up I-77 in Cleveland. We've got People from all over the country come into play, Uh, and I love the fact that we've got guys in town from Los Angeles and Miami and Houston, and we're treating them to a good old-fashioned Northeastern Ohio February, right? Isn't it great? Like, we didn't have a little warm spell whenever they came in. Like, no, you're coming in with ice and with snow and with single-digit temperatures. I love it. I love it. Um, But I do have to say, I am ready for spring. Anyone else relate with me? Any other amens out there? Absolutely. I'm ready for spring. I need it. We need all of our prayer warriors in the church to rebuke winter in the name of Jesus. Get it out of here. We need the spring. Uh, Speaking of stuff that I need, I'm just speaking for myself here, but I need this. Like what we're doing this morning, what we do every weekend, I just, I need it. I need church. It helps me so much. Uh, Just seeing seeing everyone's faces, in here uh, online, I love signing on service uh, right before we start and seeing everybody, our, our e-family who watches our lo- online and just talking with them and, and, and seeing how they're doing. And we have people across tons of states watching us. It's just so cool that they're worshiping with us. And I love this because I need it. And if you're anything like me, you need it too. And the reason is, at least this is how I articulate it, I'm not enough on my own. I'm just not not good enough, I'm not smart enough, right? Like I I just, I can't get through life on my own, through my own willpower, through my own skill, through my own energy, my own expertise. I just can't do it. I need this. I need community with believers. I need to worship God. I need to get into his word. I need this because I know I'm not enough. And if you're anything like me, you're not enough either. Welcome to church, right? Not the motivational sermon you were expecting to hear today, right? That you're not enough, but we are not enough. But because of that, because we're not enough, that's why it can be such a joy to join together and get in God's house and seek out the God who is more than enough, amen? We can seek out the God who can meet every single one of our needs in a way we could never do. So if you are happy to be in God's house and you're you know, okay with it, why don't you fist bump the person next to you and just say, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. Why don't you put it online in the chat, a little fist bump, I'm happy to be here today. Well, hey, we're going to jump into God's word. We're going to be in the book of John. We're going to be at chapter 6, looking at verses 1 through 13. We're going to read all the way through it, and we'll be jumping back at it as we go through the rest of the sermon. Uh, We'll have the words up on the screen here for you to follow along. Let's see what John has to tell us. So John chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he sat down with his disciples. 
The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Don't you love Jesus? Like, it's a little ornery, right? He already knows, he already knows what he's going to do, and he still posits the question. So, uh, fellas, where, where are we going to find enough food for all these, all these people? I think he's just causing them to sweat, just seeing, like, I just want to see what kind of answers they come up with here. So he asked him, what are we going to do? Philip answered him. It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Can you imagine this moment as they start handing it out, and they're like, I don't know what we're going to do. There's only five five pieces of bread and two fish, and there's just continually enough. Just keep handing it out, and they keep pushing it down. They're going, where is is this coming from, (laughs) right? This had to be just an incredible, incredible moment. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. There's leftovers. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Incredible. Incredible. So today, if you're taking notes, our sermon title is We're Not Enough. We're Not Enough. Kind of counterintuitive to what we hear a lot, that you are enough. And that don't, don't, don't change. You're enough. People need to accept you for who you are. You're enough. Well, the fact of the matter is, no, you're not. And neither am I, <laughs> right? We're just, we're not enough. We're not enough on our own. And we've been learning this as a church. We've been learning it as we've been starting into our building campaign here at Cornerstone. We're looking to renovate our current facility as well as add on. And as we're doing that, we're realizing and we're admitting and we're recognizing, hey, we're not enough on our own. Like, we can't do this through our own power, through our own resources, through our own strength. We're not enough. Now, we're not just learning it collectively as a church. I would wager you're learning it individually on your own. There's areas of your life, areas where you are realizing, hey, I'm, I'm just not enough here. <laughs> like, on my own, through my own willpower, I can't be the husband that I need to be. I can't be the boss that I need to be. I can't be the employee that I need to be. I can't be the student that I need to be. I can't do or be or have enough on my own. And what we're going to talk about today is how that is not something to hate. That is something to rejoice in. The fact that we're not enough is not a a phrase that we declare remorsefully and sorrowfully. It's something that we can boast about, we can brag about, and we can rejoice in. Let me pray for us just real quick. Heavenly Father, today's sermon, I know it's an important one. I know that you've been speaking to me through it. And God, I don't want to screw this up. Please bless my words. Help me to speak uh, your truth today. Help us to learn from your word and allow it to transform our hearts and our minds so that we can leave this place empowered in the spirit, trusting in you to meet our every need. We love you, Father, and we pray this in your name. Amen. 
So as I was studying and thinking about this concept of enough, it made me think of uh, a few years ago, me and my wife Jessica went to the Ohio Swiss Festival. Has anyone ever gone to the Swiss Festival before? No one. You guys are missing out, man. You guys are missing out. Anybody online go to the Swiss Festival? It's such a good time. It's a little festival. It happens the last weekend of September in Sugar Creek, Ohio, little Amish country town. Super cute. Um, they have, you know, all kinds of, it's like a typical little fair. They've got little rides and stuff like that. They have a, a stone carrying contest. If, if that's, I don't know, if that's something that you're into, carrying stones, seeing how far you can carry a big stone. But one of the things that's the biggest draw that gets me and my wife to go down there are these little fresh-made apple fritters that a little, oh, they're so good. They're so good. This little Mennonite church makes them every year. They sell these things and I mean, don't make you swallow your tongue. They're so stinking good. And they serve them with a nice hot cup of coffee. They're, not, they're outrageous. They're so good. Um, and so the first year that we actually went down there and tried them, we were going down. And my cousin Caleb and his family, my Uncle Dwight and Aunt Patty, they all live in Sugar Creek. So we're going down there. And we're like going to meet up with him at their house and then all go together to uh, the festival. And so we drive over there. We meet with Caleb. We're talking with my Uncle Dwight and my Aunt Patty for a little bit. My Aunt Patty's like just a really, like whenever you talk with her, she's just like, just kind. She has a very soft kind of voice, how she talks, just kind of talks like this. And so whenever we're in there, she's like, so you guys excited for tonight? You going to have fun? We're like, yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to it. I lo- this is going to be great. I love a little festival like this. She, yeah, yeah, it's a great time. It's good. You guys are going to have a blast. It's going to be a great time. Uh, well, I'll see you guys later. We're like, all right, we're getting ready to head out. And all of a sudden, she remembers, she reaches back and she grabs her wallet. She says, oh, Caleb, Caleb, hold on one second. And she grabs her wallet and she gets a 20 out. And she hands it to him and says, uh, don't forget, can you get me a, a thing of apple fritters? And Caleb's like, okay, yeah, sure. And as he goes to grab it, like something snapped in my Aunt Patty. She went from like, hey, Caleb, can you do this? She went to hand it to him, and as he goes to grab it, she kind of pulls back a little bit and goes, now, Caleb, <laughs> the, the voice changed, right? Now, Caleb, do you plan on having even one of these apple fritters? <laughs> Caleb's like, uh, I don't know. And before he can even finish, she goes, because... If you plan on even having one, you need to get two dozen <laughs> because I'm not having this happen where I tell you to go get a dozen, you come back with eight or seven. I want all of them. <laughs> like, let's, let's not be confused here, right? What she, was, what she was worried about, what she's concerned about is, hey, I want these things and I want to make sure there's enough. I don't want to be lacking. I don't want to have an expectation and it not be met, Right? Not having enough, now whenever it comes to apple fritters, it's a different story, but not having enough can be a traumatic experience, can it? You ever had your card declined? That's, and you, you play it off like your card's broke? Oh, this is, it's been doing this, it's been acting up, it's real, real weird, I don't know. And they're like, yeah, it's not acting up, it says insufficient funds. Like, like yeah, I don't know, it's been doing that though, right? You try to play it off. That's traumatizing, it makes you feel like, geez, not having Enough. If you've ever studied for a test, you're in high school or college, and you're studying, and you know you're you're it's a it's like a subject that you don't know well, so you're you're really studying hard. And then you get into the class, they hand you the test, and you look at it, and you're like, none of this looks familiar. <laughs> like I feel like I've been studying for the wrong thing, and you're realizing the time you put in wasn't enough. The knowledge you thought you were accruing isn't enough, and that's traumatizing, <laughs> right? That's hard. 
That's hard. I've, I've had it happen before whenever I don't have enough to get a weight back up on the rack. That's scary. You don't have a spotter. I have a, a weight set that I lift at home. I've got bars now, like safety bars to help me. But stupid me was like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll never lift too heavy of a weight that I won't be able to get up on my own. And sure enough, I'm like, all right, just one more. And I should be able to. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> it's coming back down. And you're like, oh, let me just kind of push this thing over. Um, those are scary moments. It's scary when you don't have enough. It's traumatizing when you don't have enough. So here's the weird dichotomy, though. It's such an uncomfortable thing to not have enough. So why does the Bible seem to think not having enough is a wonderful thing? Kind of weird, right? For us, it's a traumatizing thing. It's a terrible thing. I never want to have that happen again, use my card and it not work. I never want to take a test again and be like, man, I didn't study enough. I don't, I don't want to go through any of that. But the Bible, God's word, God himself, Jesus, seemed to point out time and time again, hey, you're not enough, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Why? Why is it good? Why is it good? Why does the Apostle Paul, as we'll look at in a little bit, why does he actually not just okay with not having enough, he brags about it. He boasts about not being enough. Why is that the case? Well, let's, let's dive into that. I want us to look again at John chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Let's look one more time at what it says. Jesus looked up, and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he brought the need to the forefront. He posed a question. He brought this need to the forefront. And what I think we can learn from this passage is that every need God brings to you is intended to bring you to God. Every need that God brings to you is intended to bring you to God, to push you closer to him, to run to him. I think Jesus is asking this question to his disciples, saying, hey, where are we, we going to get the bread? He, he knew there wasn't enough. Jesus knew that no one in the crowd was like, hey, I just so happened to pack a lunch that could feed 5,000 people. Like, what do you know? What a coincidence. That wasn't the case. Jesus knew they couldn't just get food from anywhere. There's no DoorDash, no Uber Eats is delivering to the Galilean countryside, right? Like, Jesus knows all this, and yet he still points out the need, and he points out the need to make a point. I think what Jesus is asking in this moment when he says to his disciples, how are we going to feed these people? I think what Jesus is wanting to ask them, and not just them, but his question leaps off of the pages of Scripture, and he asks us today is, I want to know how you will respond when you don't have enough. I just want to see what is your knee-jerk reaction. What's your first response whenever you don't have enough, when your best falls short? When, when you try, but you can't quite meet the expectation, what will you do? How will you respond when you don't have enough? Who are you going to trust? Are you going to rely on me? Are you going to rely on your own skill, your own know-how? Are you going to rely on other people around you? Are you going to violate my will for your life? Are you going to compromise in some area? Or will you just give up? Jesus wants to know, not just of his disciples, but of us, how will we respond when we are made aware of the fact that we are not enough? 
God will bring a need to our mind, and it's intended to bring us closer to God. It's intended to bring us closer to him. Social media, it's incredible how this thing works with the ads that they put out. Isn't it nuts? It's like you're thinking of something. You don't even vocalize it, and it pops up in your feed. It's creepy, right? (laughs) It's crazy. Now, what they used to do, I know the iPhone does stuff, and I know Android does as well, where now you can specifically say that you don't want an app to track you across other apps, uh, and that's how they would figure this stuff out. They would use their algorithms, and they would track you over other apps, so you'd be on, you know, your internet browser, you're on Safari, you're on Chrome, and you're typing in, man, I need a getaway, where's a good place to go, and you're looking on Expedia, and then you get off of it, and you go over to Instagram, And sure enough, there's an ad from Expedia, need to get away, looking for a break. And you're like, I am. How did you, how'd you know? This is incredible, right? It's freaky. It's kind of freaky how that works. Um, And it's just because they're tracking you. They're tracking you. They know you. They know where you're at. They know what you need. They know that you need this getaway in such a better way, in such a less 1984 Orwellian kind of way, God is tracking you. He knows what your need is. And he will bring it to the forefront. He will bring it in your feed to remind you that you need him. Oh, yeah, you are deficient in that way, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, you are not enough when it comes to that, aren't you? You know who you could run to for that? You know who you could rely on for that? God will bring things to you that are intended to bring you to God. In fact, I'll go one step further. I'll say it this way. God will intentionally expose deficits in your life to drive you towards dependence on him. He will intentionally, I'm not saying like, you know, every now and then you'll just kind of realize, wow, I'm, I'm not enough, isn't that crazy? I'd, no, God will intentionally put moments and things in your life and opportunities in your life and trials in your life on purpose, intentionally, to point out the fact that you are not enough. He will point out the deficits in your life to drive you towards a greater dependence on him. If you have ever prayed to be used by God, if that was maybe a a resolution this year, you're like, you know what, I want to really make myself available to God this year. I truly want to be used by him in an incredible way. If you want to be used by God, you need to get used to not being enough. You just need to. Get used to that feeling. Get used to feeling like, man, I just, I'm not going to be able to do that on my own. I'm not going to be able to be that on my own. I'm not going to be able to overcome that on my own. Absolutely, you're 100% right, and get used to it, because that will happen a lot if you want to be used by God. Can I tell you, if you're a Christian, scarcity is not a bug, it's a feature. Like, <laughs> you, may, you may have gotten into this thinking something completely different about the Christian faith, thinking that, you know, I start following God, and I'm expecting my cup to runneth over. <laughs> like, I'm expecting just sunny days and more than enough, and God is just blessing me all over the place, and I have so much left over. That is not what's promised from God. That's not the promise. Think, think about the prayer that we were taught to pray, the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus teaches us to pray in the book of Matthew. What does he tell us to ask God for? Our daily bread. Enough. Just praying for enough. And that enough doesn't come from us, it comes from God. Jesus doesn't teach us to pray, and Lord, give us this week 
our monthly bread so we can, we can store up and make sure we have enough and we don't ever have to rely on you to fill in the gap. We, we don't ever have to do that. We can just be safe and secure and fine. No, Jesus is constantly pointing us to the fact that, hey, you have deficiencies. You have deficits that you will never be able to make up on your own. God will intentionally expose deficits to drive us towards dependence on him. Look at what Jesus did. Don't take my word for it. Let's jump back to John chapter 6. Look at verses 1 through 4. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the where? The far shore. <laughs> Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So Jesus goes to the far shore. And then look at this, verse 3. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? Do you see what he's doing? He's getting as far as he can from the supply chain of the town, right? He's getting as far as he can from the town where it would be easy to say, hey, how do we feed these people? Um, well, hey, we don't have enough, but Town is like right there. I'll just run in, I'll buy some stuff, and we'll come back and we'll feed these people. Jesus intentionally knows this crowd of people is following him and says, all right, let's go. <laughs> let's get as far away from what you think the supply is that you need so you can realize I'm the source that it can actually fulfill that need. So Jesus takes them to the far shore, then takes them up a mountain, and then says, so how are we going to feed these people? <laughs> Would have been a better question to ask before they got on the boat before they went up the mountain. But you see, Jesus had a question behind the question. His question was, I wanna know, will you depend on me? Will you trust in me? Will you realize that yes, you are not enough on your own and realize that I am the only one who can fill that gap in your life? Jesus will cut off the supplies to remind us that he is the source. I know that. From my own personal experience, I know that God wants to do that to drive us towards dependence on him because I'm a father. I love it when my kids depend on me. <laughs> like, I love it. My, my little guy, Griffin, he's two years old. That little dude, over, over this last vacation when we uh, went to North Carolina, between me and him, we obliterated two industrial-sized boxes of Fun Pops, those little popsicles that come in the plastic tubes. We just killed that thing. We, we'd knock down 20 in one sitting. Just get another one, get another one, right? Me and Griffin just pounding these things. And it's so cute. Uh, his, his vocabulary is actually really big. He can say words, and you can pretty much tell what he's saying, except for popsicle. Every other word kind of sounds like the word. You're like, oh, that's what he's trying to say. For some reason, he calls popsicles nanoise. I've no, Nanoi, Nanoi. He sounds like a little minion from Despicable Me, right? Like running around, Nanoi, Nanoi? <laughs> um, but he loves these things. And so on vacation, um, he, he would, he would want to eat tons of them. And, you know, I'm a terrible father. So I'm like, yep, have another one. Have more. <laughs> just keep, keep having just sugar water. Here you go. <laughs> right? So, um, but the thing that I loved about it is that he completely and utterly depended on me to get them. Right? Like it's in the freezer, so it's up high. He can't reach it. I need to go over and reach it. It's in the plastic tube. He can't, like, pop the, the, the covering off or anything like that. It needs cut open. He can't, he can't cut it, so I've got to cut it open for him. Even once we've gotten that far, he can't really, he, he was still little enough that he didn't know how to push the ice up, and if it was too hard or too frozen, he couldn't really do it, so I would kind of need to break it and push it up for him, and I loved it. I love that he depended on me. 
In fact, can I, t- can I just continue adding to my Father of the Year resume real quick? Um, <laughs> I, loved, I loved those little moments so much. I would point out to him that he like, had finished the popsicle, even if he had forgotten. He wasn't even caring about it anymore. He had finished it. He was on to something else. I'd be like, hey, buddy, Nanoi? <laughs> you want another, want another Nanoi? Because he would, yeah, yeah. And we'd run over together, and he'd cuddle up by me on the couch to eat it. And I love that. I love that he needed me. I love that he depended on me. How much more so does God love when we depend on him, Right? How much more so does God love when we're running to him for things, when we need him? And not because God is needy, but because God knows, hey, you were created to partner with me. You can't do this on your own. I'm not creating this dependence where you need me because I'm, I'm a needy God and I need your attention and I need your devotion. God's doing it because he says, look, apart from me, you can't do anything. You need me. So absolutely, I will point out the deficits in your life if they drive you back towards having dependence and trust and faith in me. God knows we need him. God knows we're not enough and that it's okay. So with that in mind, what if we had a paradigm shift and we started to realize that, you know what? What if enough and a lack of enough, what if it's not a problem to solve but an identity to embrace? So many of us, myself included, look at the deficits in our life, look at the deficiencies in our life, the areas where we're not quite where we want to be, and we look at those, and we hate them, right? We hate them. We hate the areas where we feel less than. We hate the areas where we feel insecure. We hate the areas where we feel like we don't quite measure up. We can't stand those deficits in our life. But when we read scripture, we see that, you know what? Maybe those deficits aren't problems to solve, Maybe they aren't things for us on our own power to say, well, let me try to fix this. Let me try to handle this. Let me try to make things better. What if they are identities to embrace? And I would say again, don't take my word for it. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Listen to this. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Notice what Paul is saying here. Paul is not saying, you know, God's power is made perfect in weakness, so I reluctantly will say, I'm weak. I will begrudgingly accept the fact that I just, I'm not enough, you know. I I, I hate it. It's a necessary evil of life that we're just not enough on our own. We've got to learn to live with it. No, that's not what Paul says. Paul says, I will boast, I will brag about the fact that I am weak so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Paul is hammering this point home just in case we're missing what he's saying. He's saying, you don't understand. I'm not saying learn to live with the fact that you're not enough. I'm saying enjoy the fact that you're not enough. Embrace the fact that you're not enough. Rejoice in the fact that you're not enough. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, when I am not enough, when I am not quite measuring up, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. 
Paul knows everything about his life that he wants to be good is not going to be able to come from him. It's going to come from his relationship and his dependence on God. So he's not just okay with not being enough. He brags about it. He boasts about it. He realizes there's a deficit and he doesn't hate it. He realizes that he doesn't quite measure up and he is more than fine with that. In fact, I was thinking about titling the sermon instead of we're not enough. I was thinking about titling it, don't despise the deficit. (laughs) Don't despise the deficit in your life. And it's so easy and it's so natural to despise the deficits in your life. Can I tell you, I'm an insecure person. I am. I, I can preach up here pretty forcefully and I can, you know, say things. And the second I walk off the stage, my wife will tell you, I did it last night. The second I walk off, walk off of the stage, I go over and I, hey, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Walk over and was that good? Like, did it connect? Do you think it really connected? I don't think it connected. I could see some people and some people were like this and some people I didn't even see them. I think they were asleep. I don't know. <laughs> did, this, did this really connect? Like, did it actually was good? Because it felt like it was bad. I, did I say anything new or am I just repeating stuff that people are like, well, yeah, of course. We already knew that. Why are you talking? Like, that's, that's where I'm at. And for the longest time, I hated that about myself. Like, I hated that, that deficiency, that like, geez, man, what is that in me? And I would ask myself questions like, man, am I actually like just fishing for compliments? Or am I, you know, like, what, what is this in me? Do I really think that little of myself? And why am I like this? And that's how I used to feel, and I used to hate that. I still struggle with it, but I'm starting to realize that, you know what, maybe this thing that I've hated, this deficit, this deficiency of insecurity, what it's actually doing is it's a need that I will never be able to meet on my own. I'm never gonna speak well enough that I get off of here and I just feel like, well, I killed it. (laughs) Hope y'all were taking notes, like that was good. I'm never gonna get to that point. (laughs) Like, It ain't happening, it's not happening because I'm not that good enough on my own. And so this thing that I used to hate, I'm learning to love it now because I'm realizing, you know what, it's it's just God. (laughs) I need to get up here and I just need to realize this is about an audience of one. And if I'm able to go to sleep tonight, realizing that, you know what, I as faithfully as I could preached what I felt God putting on my heart, then that's what matters. And so this deficit that I used to hate, it's now transforming my relationship with God and my dependence on him and my reliance on him and me realizing, you know what, it's all about him to begin with. So this thing that I used to hate, I now love. I'm fighting to love it. It's still hard sometimes. But I wanna tell you, don't despise the deficit in your life. In fact, tell your neighbor. Just declare it. Say, don't despise your deficit. Don't despise it. Put it in the chat online. Don't despise your deficit. I'm telling you, that is something that will change your life. If you take nothing else away from today's sermon, if you just take that and run with that, that you know what? The deficits in my life aren't something for me to hate. What they are is they're a need that God is exposing so it can drive me to further dependence on him. That will change your life. That will change your life. Don't despise the deficit. Sometimes the things in your life aren't issues to solve. They're just identities to embrace. So today's sermon title, that you're not enough, that's, that's good news. That's not anything bad. It's good news that you're not enough, that I'm not enough. In fact, I, I, would, I would go so far to say that on our best day, me included, on our best day, we're five loaves and two fish. That's our best day. (laughs) That's the day when we got up and the coffee hit just right and there was no traffic and everything was going good. That's your best day is your five loaves and two fish. But thank God that we have God. But thank God that we can partner 
with him because with Jesus, today's not enough becomes tomorrow's leftovers. Right? With Jesus, the, I mean, we got five loaves and two fish. How far will this go? How many people will we feed with this thing? With God, when you add him into the equation, suddenly the not enough becomes, what do we do with all the leftovers? What do we do with all of this stuff that's left over? Because God has taken my not enough and multiplied it into more than enough. And that's what he does. That's the kind of God that we serve, a God who when we partner with him in humility, in humility, true humility that says, God, I realize I I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I need you to meet the difference. I need you to stand in the gap for me. That when we do that, he takes it and he just runs with it in a way that we never could on our own. I mean, that's, that's who he is. That's the God that we serve, a God who takes today's not enough and turns it into tomorrow's leftovers. The God who takes not enough and turns it into more than enough. The God who wants you to know that you were never intended to try to carry things on your own. We, we think that our not enough is something that like God, God had a, 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 like a faulty you know, idea while he was creating us, <laughs> that he made us with this deficiency and it's like, well, I don't know what God was thinking. I don't know why he would do this to me. I don't know why he would give me this, this deficiency here. Man, he, he has these in our life so we depend on him, so we rely on him. Because we know, we know, we know from Scripture time and time again, we cannot do things on our own in any lasting, impactful, meaningful way. We have to partner with God. We just have to. If you want to have a life that leaves any kind of impact, you're not going to do it on your own because you're not enough. And can we, just, can we just admit, life is going to bring you weight and worries and responsibilities and stressors just on its own. If you have a pulse, you can expect those things, right? You can expect all of those things if you're just living. And just to get through those things, just to get through the weight of the world and the worries of the world, the responsibilities of the world, just to survive all of that stuff, you need God's help. So how much more so do you need God's help if you're not just going to survive but actually thrive, actually have a life that leaves an impact, actually make a a difference in your world and in your community and in your neighborhood and in your family? If you want to do that, man, you really need God because you're really not enough on your own. You can never do as much as you can when you partner with God. He is a multiplying God who takes our five loaves and two fish and does something incredible with it. We're learning this here. I, I hit on this a little bit at the beginning. Cornerstone, we're learning that we are not enough on our own. Our here and now campaign is making that abundantly clear, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're aware, but that beautiful building that we're looking to build, the, the you know, just gorgeous renovation of this current facility, it's going to cost millions of dollars with an S, millions, not like one million, <laughs> multiple millions of dollars. Can anyone write that check and have it not bounce? No. If I write that check, they'll probably try to arrest me or they'll laugh at me, one of the two, right? Even if you would knock off a lot of zeros, I still couldn't write that check, right? Nobody in here, none of us can do this on our own. And so we are learning through this here and now campaign, we are learning utter dependence on God to meet our needs. We're realizing, yeah, we're not enough. We're just not. In fact, we... We've talked about this in some of the past weeks. We don't have like an angel investor here at Cornerstone who's going to be able to come in and just be like, oh, yeah, name your number and I'll write the check. Like we just, 
God, you can send them our way, but we don't, we don't have anybody like that. And actually, it's been a good thing that we don't because it's pushing us to depend on God. It's pushing us to realize that we do need him and we need to count on him and we need to depend on him. And can I say, I am so glad we're learning that lesson when it comes to like a building and money because obviously buildings matter. Money matters. We want to build this building. We want to renovate this building. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but I would so much us rather learn this lesson about a building than about something else. I'm glad that we're able to realize we're not enough in this moment when it comes to a building because let me tell you, there are moments coming, not just for us collectively as a church, in your own individual life, I can promise you this. I don't, I don't wanna you know, scare you or anything, but I'm just promising you, you will have moments. These moments already have your name on them and they're coming and they're moments that will remind you, you're not enough. You're not enough. You thought your best on your own would get you here or there and you're gonna fall short. You thought that your relationship would be able to be a 10 out of 10 through your own will, through your own way, through your own power and it's gonna fall short. It's gonna fall apart. Something is going to happen. And I would much rather us as a church and you as an individual learn the lessons that we need God and that we're not enough on smaller things so that when bigger things happen, you have already have a faith that has cultivated that dependence on God. Because it is coming. It's coming. The day is coming when you will realize you will be made so abundantly aware of the fact that you are not enough. And in that moment, you will want a faith that is used to saying, I already know I'm not enough. Like, this is not a surprise. Me being made aware that I'm not enough, this is something that I've known for years now. I've, I've been knowing this, and I've been counting on God to meet me and to meet the difference and to stand in the gap. And so if I've been trusting him to do it in all these small areas, and he's done it there, in this big area, I'll trust him, and he'll do it again. Because he is a God who is enough. And so with that mindset, we can say the exact same thing that the Apostle Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. I delight in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm not enough. And thank God I'm not. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for you, that you are the God who stands in the gap. You are the God who makes up every deficiency, every area of lacking, every area where we can't quite meet the expectation. You come in and you more than meet it. You exceed it. You take five loaves and two fish and you somehow create what's barely enough for one person into more than enough for an entire group. That's the kind of God that you are. And so God, what we ask is that as we go forward from this day, you would continue through the power of your Holy Spirit to make us so aware of the fact that we are not enough on our own. Continue to point out the deficits and deficiencies in our life because we know that as we see those, if we handle them correctly with you being our strength, all that those will do is not drive us into depression, but they'll drive us into dependence on you. Help us to see that. Help us to be humble. Help us to see our need and our utter reliance on you for every single step of the way. And we'll give you all the honor, we'll give you all the glory, and we'll give you all the praise because nobody else deserves it 
but you, Father. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be praying for you. I hope that you'll be praying for me that we can continue to walk in humility. Walk in humility. Having humility, what it means is just having an accurate view of ourself. And an accurate view means we know that we are loved by God, but we are not enough on our own. So be praying for me that we would be able to have that mindset going forward in all we do, because when we do that, it will drive us closer and closer to our Father. And hey, if you're making any kind of commitment to Jesus today, you're deciding to start trusting him and depending on him, realizing that you on your own are not enough, let us know about that, please. If you're watching online, the host is going to be posting a link in the comments to Journey Starting Point. If you click on that, you can let us know about your commitment or your recommitment. We want to celebrate with you and help walk with you as you take these steps with Jesus. And if you're on site, the same goes for you. You can stop by our Welcome Center on the way out. We have an iPad set up. You can fill out the information for Journey Starting Point. We want to connect with you as well and help you as you take your next steps in following Jesus too. There's nothing more exciting than that. So please, please let us know. Just one more thing, and then we'll get out of here. Do we have any ministry partners in the room or watching online? Shoot your hand up. Ministry partners. Tonight we have MP night here at Cornerstone at 6 p.m. It's going to be an awesome night of worship, of learning, of growing together. Make sure if you're an MP, you're here. Uh, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. And make sure you're here next week. As we conclude this series here and now, I hope you'll join us as we continue to learn about how we can trust God for his best in our life right here and right now. And make sure you're here because if you miss a week, you miss a lot. Thank you so much for being here and worshiping with us today. You can now stand and receive the blessing of the Lord. May Jesus Christ, our God and our King forever, be with you this day and every day. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.